Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. It's Healing Week this week, and we're designating that this week. And I want to share with us some things I believe that are vitally important for us to be able to receive from God. And you can use these principles or these truths not just in the area of healing, but in all areas of life. Faith works the same way in every area. But I was personally introduced to the healing power of Jesus after I first got saved. Really didn't know a whole lot. Actually didn't know hardly anything at all. But um, I was working in a mill and I was running a crane. 30 feet up in the air, uh, EOT crane, and a buddy of mine that was instrumental in my spiritual growth and development, he gave me a little New Testament, and I put my um, drink carrier, was on a long chain to bring it up, he put it on there, I pulled it up, it's the first time I ever read from the New Testament, I- I'm thankful that it was a New Testament, not the whole Bible. I would have probably started in Genesis. But I didn't start in Genesis. I started in Matthew. And so I began reading in Matthew. And as I began reading in Matthew, I saw some things about Jesus that I had never known before. I saw that he healed everyone that came to him. Not just some, but every person that came to him. And by the time I got through just reading Matthew's gospel think about this I came to the conclusion that Jesus detested sickness and disease detested it couldn't tolerate it and desired to heal every person that ever came to him and he did he healed everyone not one person was left behind so he removed it from every person's lives every person every person's life so in Matthew's gospel chapter 4 we are going to begin a journey you ready for the journey You ready for a little trip tonight? Here we go. I want to share with you the scriptures that spoke to my heart so we can really get faith that we need to rise up and believe the right way to receive from God. This is what I came to in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. You know, a lot of churches don't even teach about Jesus being the healer. And his fame went throughout all Syria. And they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments and those which were possessed with devils and those which were lunatic or insane and those that had the palsy or that were paralyzed. And what did he do? What did he do? He healed them. Well, that's Matthew chapter 4. I got on my knees when I read that. I fell to my knees, I should say. Tears streamed down my face. And I said, Jesus, I never knew that you were this way, that you were compassionate toward those that are sickly. I didn't know that. I was never taught that, never saw that. Well, keep on reading. Go to Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. He preached the Sermon on the Mount before this. Then he was up on a mountain. Great multitudes followed him. Behold, there came a leper worshiping him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Jesus put forth his hand, touched him, saying what? I will. I will. Be thou clean. And what happened? Immediately 
his leprosy was cleansed. So now we have multitudes from before. Now we have a leper. But go on down further to verse 5. We have another one. Here is a, a centurion. And this guy has a, a servant that is terribly sick. We'll read it. Jesus was entered to Capernaum. There came a centurion beseeching him, saying, Lord, my servant lied at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Notice those words. Gr- not just tormented, but grievously tormented. I'll tell you what, if you let him, the devil will torment you with all kinds of things. Well, Jesus said to him, I will come. I will come. And what will I do? And heal him. I'll come and heal him. The man says, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not worthy. You should come out of my roof. Speak the word only. And my servant will be healed. I'm a man under authority. Man, I got soldiers under me. I say to this man, go and he goes. I say to this one, come and he comes. I say to that man, do this and he does it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said, oh my goodness, I've not found so great faith in all of Israel. And then it should come from the east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and the king, Isaac and Jacob and the king of, of heaven. But the children of the kingdom be cast out of darkness and be weeping, gnashing your teeth. And he said to the man, the centurion, go thy way as thou hast what? Believed. Well, did he believe? He didn't need to physically come to his house. Just give the word. Just speak the word. If you speak the word, it's done. Just give the command. And it's done. And Jesus marveled at it. He called it great faith. And the man received. See, we've got to believe what the word says to get results. And the next one, chapter four, uh, 14, uh, I mean verse 14 and 15. This is Peter's mother-in-law. And when Jesus was coming to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. Now wait a minute. Peter was married. A lot of people don't know that. Peter was married and Peter had a mother-in-law. And he touched her hand and fever left her and she arose and ministered to them. So she was instantly healed of a fever by Jesus. Now this is a verse of scripture that you could really bank on because if Jesus will heal anyone's mother-in-law, he'll heal anyone. Mine's in Florida right now, so don't say a word that I said. She's in South Carolina, so don't say I said that. But, but I want you to see this unfolding. Look at the next verse. Going down to verse 16. When when the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and healed how many? How many? All that were sick, that it might be fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet, saying what? himself took our infirmities oh and what did he do bear our sicknesses would you stand up with me Jesus you took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you you took them and you bore them but notice if you, another thing here that it might be fulfilled what was spoken by who Isaiah the prophet well wait a minute well then what did Isaiah the prophet say well, now we've got to go back to Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by whose stripes, or with his stripes, we are healed. Now, wait a minute. I don't see sickness in, in there. But you'll notice those words, griefs and sorrows. The more literal translation really should be sickness and pains. I have here in your notes for you. Another translation says, 
Surely he has borne our physical maladies, sicknesses, diseases, and terminal illnesses and injuries and carried our pain. And Dr. Isaac Lesser agrees. And this guy was one that the Orthodox Jews believed that he literally translated from the Hebrew language correctly. And so they, at that time, believed in what he said. And so there we understand that Isaiah was saying, because Matthew quoted him, that Jesus bore our sickness and carried our pain. So that was fulfilled in the life of Jesus when he walked upon the earth. And that's something that's important to know for all of us because the time might come when we need healing and when we need healing we have to believe correctly. And really Jesus got it for us and we just have to embrace it. We have to recognize it and faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. If we don't know what the word of God teaches then we're not going to be able to enforce our rights and privileges. And by the way, Andrew's book is almost done. Well, the book is actually done. We're just getting permission. Um, There was a picture in the book with him and Mark Andre Fleury. And it's in the book. But we had to call to get permission from the Pittsburgh Penguins to be able to have it in the book. And so other than that and getting it actually put together, it's all, it's all written, it's completed as far as all that is concerned. And so we'll talk, it talks about how Andrew was healed, how he was in heaven, how he saw Jesus, and how even though they said he could never live, he's alive and 15 years old, and in June, he'll be behind the wheel of a car. And I'm warning all of you right now, you have no idea, I hath not seen nor ear heard. Look at uh, Matthew chapter 9. We're just strolling through this journey of ours in the book of Matthew. This is only one gospel. Do you realize that in one week in Jesus' life and ministry, he healed more people than 4,000 years of Jewish history? You realize that? Multitudes. It tells us something. He entered into a ship, came past over, and passed over, and came to a city, his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? What's easier to say? Thy sins be forgiven thee? Or to say, Rise and walk. But that you may know the Son hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up your bed, and go into your house. And he arose and departed to his house. But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto man. Here we see Jesus introducing the two together, sin and sickness. And basically, what he's revealing to us is that sin brought sickness into the world with it. You go all the way back to the very beginning, and you find out there was no sickness or disease in the Garden of Eden. But after man had sinned and fell short of the glory of God, then sin brought sickness and disease, which is incipient death, and then death came. In the plan of God in the beginning, there was no sin, there was no sickness, there was no disease. Adam and Eve, what were you thinking? What were they thinking? To do what they did? To create the mess that we live in right now? My goodness. Okay, so Jesus dealt with both the sin problem and the sickness problem. But let's read on. In verse 18 through 26, we have two more situations. I'm not going to read through the whole thing. But we have two more situations. We've got Jairus' daughter who is sick near death. And we have a woman with the issue of blood for 12 years. Spent all that she had with nothing better but rather grew worse. And so Jesus tells Jairus, I'll come and 
heal your daughter. But in the, on the way, along the way, this woman with the issue of blood grabs a hold of his garment and she gets healed of her plague that she had for all these years. And Jesus stops the procession and says, who touched me? And they said, you see the multitude thronging you and you're saying, who touched me? He said, no, someone made a demand upon my ability and I know that it went out of me, so who did it? And the woman finally fearing and trembling, the Bible says she told all the truth. And when she told him all what she had done, this woman, like most women do, was in full detail about the whole situation. And because it took so long to do it, Jairus' daughter died. That's a long time. Well, it came to pass that she told all the truth and she was healed and she told what happened. And Jesus said to her, your faith has made you whole, you know. Not my power, but your faith has made you whole. And then he went to Jairus' house and what did he do? He raised up the daughter from the dead. You see, nothing is impossible with God. And nothing is too difficult for him. So it didn't matter to him because he knew the outcome before going into it. And even though there was a delay, the, the miracle still took place. And even when they said, your daughter's dead, trouble the master no further, Jesus said, fear not, only believe. In other words, don't let fear enter in and destroy your faith. Just stand firm in what you believe. And of course, she was raised up from the dead. Now, we're just taking a journey through Matthew. Look at the next one. Look at verse 27 of the same chapter, chapter 9. When Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come to the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye, notice this, believe me. Now he introduces faith along with the power. Believe me that I'm able to do this. And they said unto him, Yeah, Lord, we believe. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. According to what? He didn't say according to my power, according to the Father's will. He said, but according to your faith, be it done unto you. And where does faith come from? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. Any subject, any situation, find out what the word of God says and appropriate it. That's how faith comes. And so we see this person being, these blind men being healed. Then look at 35 and 36. And this is really touching. Jesus went about all the cities and villages. Now imagine having been there. Teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing. That was his threefold ministry. Teaching, preaching, and healing. Every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with what? Compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And so now everywhere he goes, all these people, everywhere he goes, all sick people, everywhere he goes, whether they're bound and afflicted, whether they're sick with a, a curable disease, it didn't matter. Everywhere he went, he liberated them all, set them free. No matter what they had, an addiction that they had, a demon that they had, whatever they had, they were all delivered and set free. And that was the will of the Father. But my point is, it's touching because he saw their need. He said, I'm only one person. I can only be at one place at one time. And he, so he sends out his disciples. Look at chapter 10, verse 1. He sends out his disciples. And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. We're reading the Gospel of Matthew. Now, wait a minute. You know, we know about him dying on a cross. We know about him dying for our sins. But how much of this Gospel is filled with individuals being delivered and set free and healed by the power of God everywhere Jesus went would you call that a priority I would 
Matthew made it very clear that this is a priority. That everyone that came to him, God healed. Everyone that came, he delivered and set free. And by the way, I read somewhere in Hebrews 13 verse 8 that says, Jesus is the same today as he was yesterday and will be forever. He has never changed. What's changed is man's perspective and view. Then look at uh, Matthew chapter 11. It came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in prison the works, notice the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples. And he said to them, Art thou that should come, or do we look for another? In other words, are you the Messiah, or should we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. Well, what do we hear and see? The blind receive their sight, the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And, he, and bl blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in whom? In other words, this is what I'm all about. This is what the kingdom's all about. It's not about building tall buildings. It's not about bu building elaborate buildings. It's not about building mega churches and all that. It's about ministering life to hurting people. It's about helping the lost get saved, the sick get healed, the bound and afflicted delivered and set free. It's about meeting the financial needs of people, meeting the relational needs of people, having people just experience the quality of life that God ordained. And what is that? He said, I came to give you life abundantly. That's what his mission was. He wasn't concerned about the temple and how elaborate it was. Remember when they came to him and said, Oh Lord, look at the beauty of this temple. He said, Not one stone will be left on top of another. That didn't impress him. He was impressed with your life and your life and your life. He's concerned about your concerns and what's going on with you and whether or not you're hurting and you need help. And that help, no matter how serious it might be, he's more than enough to meet the need for all of us and help all of us. Okay, let's read on. Chapter 12. Here's the situation. I love the way he treated these religious people. And when he was departed thence, he went to their synagogue. And behold, there was a man which had his hand withered. So in other words, it was deformed. It wasn't completely grown, probably from birth. And they asked him, saying, is it lawful? Notice this. They're trying to catch him. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days? That they might accuse him. And he said to them, what man shall there be among you? That shall have one sheep, and if it fall into a pit, on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? In other words, rescue it. How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore is it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days? Then saith he to the man, stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it forth. It was restored whole like as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and they were so happy and rejoicing among the people that they shouted the praises of God. No, I better put my glasses on here. No, they went out and they held a council against how they might destroy him. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence in great multitudes. How many? Great multitudes followed them and he healed 24% of them. 50%. 75%. 90%. Ninety-nine percent. How many? Did you ever look up the word all in the dictionary? 
know what it means? Oh. That's what it means. How many did he heal? So who was left out? Phew. What a journey. Then look at Matthew chapter 14 and verse 14. Again, a stroll through Matthew. This is just one gospel. And there's three others. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude. Notice how it defines multitude and multitudes. It distinguishes. And was moved with what? Compassion toward them. And he healed their sick. I want you to know whatever you're going through tonight. He is moved with compassion towards you. He knows your frame. He knows my frame. He knows how fragile life is and how fragile we are. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you're experiencing. He knows what your challenge is. He knows the difficulty of it. And he is moved with compassion towards you to produce what is necessary to help you overcome. Our faith in him helps us overcome whatever the situation is that we're encountering in this life. So compassion is what moved him. It's what really motivated him to do all these miracles that we're talking about here. Some said he's just doing that to show that he's the Messiah. Well, then why did he anoint all these others to go forth and they went and did the same thing? Are they all Messiahs too? No. He just wanted help. He saw the need. Let others go out and do the same thing that we're doing. Do you remember when some other disciples were doing it that weren't among the twelve? and they said Lord these people out there are doing the, what, they're, what we're doing they're healing the sick and setting the captives free should we call down fire from heaven to consume them he said you have no idea what matter of spirit you're of if they're not against us they're for us if they're for us they're not against us let them alone they're doing a great thing they're helping people that's what, that's what I'm all about that's what God the Father's all about look at Matthew chapter 15 this woman I just love her we don't know her name like the woman with the issue of blood Mrs. Blood Issue. I don't know what her name is. This is the Canaanite Syrophoenician woman. This is Mrs. Syro. Okay. We don't know her name. But she, then Jesus went thence and departed the coast of Tyre and Sidon. Behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. Look, she's crying out to Jesus. My daughter is grievously vexed. It's easy for us to read that here tonight. But you know what it means to be grievously vexed with the devil? grievously vexed with the devil one guy had a suicidal spirit his son had a suicidal spirit was throwing him into fire and throw him into the water to drown him or burn him to death these are real life situations and this woman probably day and night having to watch her daughter and her daughter is just probably convulsing and going through all these different gyrations and all that she's grievously tormented with the devil but he answered her not a word didn't say a word to her and his disciples came and besought him saying send her away for she cried after us Oh, they were just getting, you know, annoyed by her. Oh, Jesus wasn't happy with them, I'll tell you right now. He was doing something to trigger off her faith, but I want you to see this. They're getting annoyed. Send her away. She cries after us, like we're somebody important, right? But he answered and said, I'm not sent but the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him. You want to get Jesus' attention? worship him saying Lord help me I worship you Lord I worship you I need your help I'm in desperate need of your help I worship you O son of God Jesus Emmanuel God who is with us I lift up my voice on high and I worship you but he answered and said it is not meat in other words right to take the children's bread healing is the children's bread deliverance is the children's bread and cast it to whom dogs in other words, the Gentiles were called dogs by the Jews. A lower strata of life. 
You're not anybody special. He said that, and look at her response. And she said, truth, truth. I can identify what you're saying. Truth, Lord. Yet, although you could say the Jews have the whole loaf of bread, the Jews have covenant rights, family rights. The Jews have every right to expect you to meet their every need. I'm a dog Gentile, but you know what? Dogs can eat crumbs that fall from the rich man's table. I don't need the whole loaf. Just give me a crumb and I'll be helped and satisfied. And Jesus answered and said to her, Oh woman, great is your faith. Be it unto you even as you will. In another gospel, it says, I think it's Mark's, says, for this saying, the devil has gone out of your daughter. O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto you even as you will. And her, notice, as you will, and her daughter was healed or made whole from that very hour. Can you see her walking back to her house, her little cottage somewhere where she was living? Maybe hewn out of a rock. I don't know where she lived at that, at that time. But can you imagine, probably, it could be that her daughter was strapped to a bed because she was convulsing and doing all these different things. Grievously tormented by this devil. But all of a sudden, the mother comes walking down the path. She's getting closer and closer to the house. And as she gets near it, all of a sudden, the daughter comes running out of the house. Jesus was here, and Jesus set me free. I'm delivered. I'm in. Can you imagine that scene? Can you imagine the emotions that would take place? Can you see that Syrophoenician woman, that Canaanite woman, just absolutely rejoicing with a joy, unspeakable joy? Oh my goodness, what would you pay to have your child that was demonized, delivered and set free? Hallelujah. You see what moved Jesus was compassion for these people. It's not in there, but if you read the next few verses, it talks about also how, well, we'll read this one before, then we'll say this one. Look at the, the next one, verse 29 through 31. So Jesus departs from thence and came nigh unto the sea of Galilee and went up to a mountain and sat down there I'm sure he was weary climbed a mountain delivered all those people and notice this great multitudes great multitudes came unto him having with them those that were lame blind dumb maimed and many others now I'm curious you ready? we named the four the lame the blind the dumb the maimed Main means they had body parts that were severed or never developed from birth. And it says many others. Do you wonder what those other conditions may have been? Many. Not just a few, but many others. Okay. So as we read on. And cast them down to Jesus' feet. Anybody here game for someone taking you when you're sick up on a mountaintop and casting you down at Jesus' feet? I guess if Jesus was there, you would. But can you imagine someone coming along and putting you on a cot and just saying, come on, we're going to go. I'm going to carry you up on a mountaintop. You're lame. I know you're blind. I know you're, you know, you're dumb. You can't talk and you're maimed and, and all that. But we're going to take you up there on a mountaintop. I guarantee you, if you knew Jesus was on that mountaintop and if you knew that you would come down whole, you'd be up on that mountaintop no matter what it take to get you up there. If it took a crane, he would get you up there. He they cast him down Jesus' feet and he healed them. Insomuch the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, 
the maimed to be made whole. The maimed, body part severed, grew back. The lame to walk, the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. Wow. Would you have loved to be there and just watch all that occur right before your very eyes? Oh, how staggering the miracles. How mind-boggling the miracles. We're so far removed from the greatness of our God, the power of our God. We have limited what He wants to do because we've not been taught these truths. We're struggling and we're trying, but yet He's just saying, look, just come to me. I'll give it to you. I'll bless you. I'll help you. But just believe. Believe and you'll see the glory. Right after that, what happened was, after that took place, the people were to go away. And But Jesus said to them, to his disciples, we need to get some food for these people. I don't want them to go away weary because they may faint along the way. They've been kind of fasting here. Who knows how long they were there with them. Maybe they fasted one meal, whatever. I don't know. Can you imagine Jesus being so compassionate after seeing arms and legs grow out, after seeing phenomenal miracles take place, he's concerned about them eating. Wow. Close connection between the Jewish mindset and the Italian mindset. <laughs> Just a little bit difference as to what the food may have been. Hey, Peter, go get some fish. No, no, hey, Paul, go or, or, or John, go get some pizza. Let's feed these people. I, I, wouldn't you love to see a pizza just be enlarged and grow and grow and grow? One bite and it comes back. You, eat, you take one piece, it grows right back. And that's what happened. The bread multiplied. They took a, broke a piece off, it grew back. Broke a piece off, it grew back. I know it sounds crazy, but that's what happened. You take a piece off and, and look, how about this one? I can understand it grew back, right? He took a piece off, grew back. You took a piece of fish, cut it off, shared it, and it grew back. Cut up, grew back, cut up, grew back. Kept 5,000 people being fed by one boy's lunch. You know, some great theologian just said, it was a big lunch. <laughs> what? He doesn't believe in miracles. He said, it was a big lunch. If a boy can eat for 5,000, men alone, plus women and children, that is a healthy appetite. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> oh my. Think about that. So it grew back and grew back and grew back. So you got a whole pizza and you take a piece out and it grows back. Take some piece out and it grows back. Where you bought it from, they may not be happy with that, but that's the way to go, wouldn't you say? <laughs> All right. Now, this testimony that I have here for you is very important. And it kind of puts together everything that I just said. This man is a pastor of a church that he founded. And for 25 years, he pastored the church. And this was the 25th anniversary of the church. And the man was going to retire. Because he had an incurable disease in his body. And he was not able to perform his duties as well as he wanted to. And he thought that he just needed to get out of the way. And turn the church over to somebody else. And let them take it over. So you can imagine the state of mind that the man was in. Well, Brother Hagen was there. And held meetings in that area. And he met with the fellow and said, Brother, instead of you resigning your position and moving on why don't you just let the Lord heal you and continue on pastoring and man was quite frank and honest with Jesus he said well I would but it's not the will of God to heal me 
He said, what makes you say that? It's not the will of God to heal you. He said, well, he went to California where he was holding a revival meeting for this other church one day, one week. And he said, by the time it got to Wednesday, this thing that he had, this incurable thing in his body, he said, it flared up so badly, he said that I, I couldn't finish the meeting. He said, so what I did was I had to stay in bed even at this pastor's house for two weeks. And close down the meeting because I couldn't preach anymore. I was so sick. He said, well, at the night, and during the night, now imagine it's dark, it's midnight, it's in the middle of the night, two in the morning, whatever it was, it's as dark as dark can possibly be. He said, suddenly, a bright light shone into the room, and I looked over from the bed, and I saw a bright, the whole room lit up, I looked, starting at the bottom, I saw bare feet, I saw a white robe, I got halfway up, when all of a sudden I heard a voice that said, it is not my will to heal you, and boom, disappeared, and it got dark again. He said, and from that moment on, I believe that that was Jesus, and I believe it's not his will to heal me. He said, so? It's not his will to heal me. He said, oh. And Brother Hagin said to him, well, if that's true, then let me ask you a question. Now, see, he, he asked Brother Hagin to pray for the pastor's brother, his, for his own brother, because he wasn't saved. And so he said, would you pray for my brother to get saved? I've been praying for him. Would you join together with me and pray for him to be saved? He said, sure, I'd be glad to do that. I'll join together with you, and we'll do that together. He said, um, but let me ask you a question. He said, if someone, in, let's say a bright light, robed in white, appeared either to your brother or to me, and said, it's not my will to save you, what would you say to that? He said, well, I say that's ridiculous. It's not possible. He said, well, why? He said, because the scripture says, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And God wills all men to be saved. He said, that's exactly what I wanted you to say. He said, because the same Bible you just quoted is the same scripture that says, another scripture that says, he took your infirmities and he bore your sicknesses. And with his stripes you were healed. Does it not? And it hit him right between the eyes. And the pastor said, I see it. I see it. You're right. He saw it. He accepted it. He received it. He got healed of the incurable disease and pastored 17 more years before retiring from that church. Now here's the point. We can't exalt any experience above the Word of God. No matter whose experience it is, no matter what experience it is, if it speaks something that this Bible doesn't teach us, then it's not right. You cannot exalt experience above the Word of God. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. He bore all our sicknesses. He bore all our diseases. And it's up to us to embrace that truth and do everything we possibly can to walk in the light of it. And there's so many more stories and testimonies of individuals. And I want to throw one more out real quick to you. This is so important. There was a woman for five weeks is in a hospital. And for five weeks in the hospital, they could not diagnose what her problem was. But she was terribly sick. And what happened was, after five weeks of all this battery of testing that took place, they finally came into the room and said to her, I've got good news for you, and I've got bad news for you. They said, well, what is, what is it, she said. 
Well, the good news is we found out what you have. The bad news is it's incurable. It's rare. Only eight or nine people ever was di- were diagnosed with having this type of a disease. And so we can give you some medication to slow down, but the longest you could live is 10 years. She was 37 years old, and the longest you can live is 10 years. So that's the news that we have for you. It just so happened. This was the time during the Catherine Coleman meetings. And she was holding meetings in Pittsburgh. And this woman got wind of those meetings. And she went to the meeting in Pittsburgh. And Catherine Coleman, you know, is as flamboyant as she is. And, you know, she puts on a wonderful production for people. Amen. She points up with that long, long finger of hers to the area where this woman is sitting, right? And she's pointing, or yeah, she's pointing up where she's at and says, there's someone up there in that area right there. You've been diagnosed with a rare disease that's incurable that only eight or nine people have ever been known to have. God is healing you right now. Every symptom left her body. She went back to the doctor's they ran a battery test once again they said you're completely healed and completely whole what happened Hmm? she told them what happened so for months and months and months and months and months she is completely healed completely free and completely made whole but then down the road some symptoms started to come back on her body she said I didn't even tell my husband at first And when those symptoms came back on her body, she started to feel even worse and worse. So she got wind now of a Kenneth Hagin meeting. And so she met up with the Hagins. And she went and met with them afterwards and said, this is what happened to me. Can you explain to me what's going on? He said, absolutely. This is very important. He said, what happened to you was you got healed on somebody else's faith. You got healed by a special manifestation. And because of that, you weren't taught well enough to know that there would be a counterattack of the enemy that would come. And when it comes, if you don't know what to do, you'll accept it back into your body. Now that's what your problem is. So he said, get into my meetings and you listen during the daytime as we teach faith and teach you how to deal with it. She said... She got into the meetings. She learned how to use her authority. She took authority over the condition, was completely healed once again, and never, ever allowed it to come back in her body ever again. She was completely free and made whole. This time, she got it by her faith, and she understood how to withstand it and stand against it in the name of Jesus, and she did, and she stayed whole. And so we thank God for that. But it's so important for us to learn these little tidbits and nuggets of truth so that we can learn how to do what God is really wanting all of us to do because he made the way for us. We need to rise up. So even if you get healed in a, in a meeting, even where the glory's manifested or where there's spiritual manifestations, you still need to know your rights and privileges. You have to understand, I have to understand how to appropriate the word of God to maintain what I've received. I'm going to talk more about this at Friday Healing Class because it's essential and so important because the enemy will always try to bring a counterattack. Remember the Bible says that when the Spirit's gone out of a man to go to dry places seeking rest and finding none. Mm -hmm. And then it'll come back to the house from which it came out and see it empty, swept, and garnished. 
And then he says, I'll go back into that house. I'm going to bring seven more devils or demons to make it worse. He's always going to come back. He said, my house, that I was kicked out of my house. It's hard for us to even relate to that because we don't see these activities of demons that are out there. But they're out there. They're out there trying to manipulate people's lives to take them down this wrong road, that wrong path, to get them involved this, that, and the other thing. And it has to be that we get to a place that we finally get fed up, open up our Bibles, and start using the authority that God has given us and saying, "Uh uh-uh. They told me Andrew wouldn't live. They told us that Andrew, there's no way that he could possibly live. And I'm telling you, if, if I didn't know what we learned here, what I'm just sharing with you here tonight, he wouldn't have lived. He had no, no chance of living. He didn't have a left pulmonary artery. He had a deletion of his 27 chromosome. They lost him twice during the catheterization, which is where we get the story of how he went to heaven. And Jesus said to him, you've got to go back and tell people about me. But it was because we declared the word of God and upheld the word of God. And everything they said couldn't happen. We said, no, that's not what the word says. We didn't tell it to them. It was between ourselves and God. We said, they say he'll never suck, swallow, or breathe. We say he will. They said he'll be on a feeding tube for the rest of his life. We say he won't. They said he'll never be in a regular school. And by the way, he just got a 3.89 GPA. This, this semester. Amen. They said he wouldn't be able to do that. And everything they said he won't be able to do, we said, no, 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 no. That's not what the word says. He can do all things through Christ, who's his strength. So in conclusion, it's important. And let me just throw these out real quick, and then we'll close this. In closing, look at 1 John 3, 8, and what it says. The latter part of the verse. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. You know, sickness is not a work of God. It's a work of the devil. I'm going to show it to you. Look at Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Notice God the Father anointed Jesus the Son with the Holy Ghost. That's the Godhead right there. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, and power. Who went about doing what? Good and healing all who were oppressed of whom? Who oppressed them? How many did he oppress? Healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Why? For God was with him. So who's the healer? Who's the oppressor? Look at Luke 16, 13, 16 rather. Luke 13, 16. And ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, whom, who bound her? If you would have seen her walking, she was bowed over, couldn't anyway stand up she probably had rheumatoid arthritis that we call it and she couldn't even lift up herself to look up can you imagine walking that way for all those years 18 years she was like that could in no wise lift up herself I've seen people like that haven't you they can't even get up it's like this here and you're walking around through life like that but Jesus set her free and the Jews said would you do that for it's a Sabbath day he said you bunch of hypocrites you save your sheep you water your oxen And yet you're telling me she shouldn't be healed? Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound? Who's the one that binds us? Who's the one that sets us free? These 18 years be loose from this bond on the Sabbath day. And he went on to say that he's the Lord of the Sabbath. And so it's good to do good on the Sabbath days. But the point is, where does sickness come from? The devil. Where does healing come from? God Almighty. And there's a warfare taking place. But then... 
don't have to turn to this one, but in Isaiah 53, it says that, Jesus, that God, Jehovah God, the Father, placed on Jesus, not just our sin, but our sickness. It, it says that it pleased him to bruise him. And Young's and all them. It says it, he made him sick. Uh, this is hard to comprehend. But it's time we start preaching the gospel. The truth of the gospel. On that cross. God the Father. It wasn't the whipping of the Roman lictor. It wasn't the stripes that the Roman lictor placed on his back. It says it pleased Jehovah to bruise him. He made him to be sick. Isaiah 52 I think somewhere around 15, 16, 17 verses. It says that his visage was so marred, maybe verse 12, more than any man, he didn't appear to be human like on the cross. On that moment, that moment that he became sin, see, whatever that sin is, he became it for you, for me. He took it upon himself that God put on him all the sickness, the cause of sickness and disease. And it entered his being in such a way that he was even deformed to look at. Right before their eyes. Oh my. Jehovah placed on him the iniquity, the sickness of us all. And with those stripes, we are healed. We were healed, Peter says, because he looks back to the cross. Wow. We were healed. Now, this, sun, this Sunday, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going we're gonna to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And I believe there are many different methods. Now, there's one message of healing. And that's Jesus who bore our sickness and carried our pains. There are many methods in other words, different ways we can receive healing. And there's also a moment. If you'll begin saying between now and Sunday, when I celebrate the Lord's Supper, I will receive my healing. When I celebrate the Lord's Supper, I will receive my healing. When I re- celebrate the Lord's Supper on Sunday, I will receive my healing. And you say it every day between now and then. Not just once, not just twice, but all day long at every thought, every waking moment, anytime you can think of it, when I receive the Lord's Supper, I will be healed. I will be healed. I'll receive my healing. I'll receive my healing. Because that's what this represents. Okay, so real quickly, look at these verses. I have received of the Lord that which also I deliver to you. That the Lord Jesus, now remember this, Paul was taught the gospel by Jesus, so Jesus enlightened him, that the Lord Jesus, the night, the same night that he was, which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he break it and said, take it, this is my body, which is broken for you, okay, this do in remembrance of me, after the same manner also he took the cup, when he had stopped saying, this cup is New Testament blood, this do ye as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me, okay, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show for the Lord's death till he come, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Why? For he that eats and drinks unworthily, eats and drinks, damnation means judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Now notice this. Here's a cause. For this cause. For this cause. Now Jesus taught him this. For this cause, many are weak, sickly among you, and many sleep or die prematurely. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. 
Well, it would behoove us to know how to take it worthily, wouldn't you say? Wouldn't you agree? Well, what does he mean by that? By recognizing his blood was shed for our sins, and in his body he bore the stripes for our healing. It's a threefold, which we'll talk about that Sunday. But just say it tonight. No matter, I believe for creative miracles, honestly. I believe for creative miracles. I believe for new body parts. Hallelujah. There was a woman that needed a liver. She was told she would be dead in a certain amount of time. She heard the same message approximately what, about what I just said here tonight. Said, you don't have to try to get it. Jesus got it for you. Just say, I receive it. Just say, I take it. She walked around her table 70 sometimes every single day. She said, and I did it. I did it. Every single day I'd walk around my diagram table. Thank you for my new liver. Thank you for my new liver. Thank you for my new liver. Thank you, Jesus, for my new liver. Thank you for my new liver. And she, every single day, every single day, and she never missed a day. Well, the six months went by. She should have been dead. But she's still walking around. Thank you for my new liver. Thank you for my new liver. Thank you for my new liver. Thank you for my, I received, I thank you, I have my new liver. I have my new liver. I thank you for my, I just worship you, Lord. I thank you for my new liver. A year went by. She's still alive. She goes back to the doctor. Doctor says, I need to check you did the exams and run the tests and all that he scratched his head and said I want you to come over here and look in this room here you see that that was how you were a year ago you see that somehow you have a new liver you have a new liver she said thank you Lord for my new liver amen that's a beautiful testimony wouldn't you say I know she loved it Amen. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound. And through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. and now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow 
in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.